Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians, chapter 6, will be just in one verse, the 14th verse tonight, primarily. And as we conclude our short study in the book of Galatians, uh, I want us to look back and reflect on a few of the topics that we have touched on thus far because we've taken uh, several weeks off uh, with uh, Easter and Palm Sunday and so many other things going on. It's been several weeks since we've been in the book of Galatians together. So just to kind of back up uh, and touch on some of the main themes that we talked about, the first two chapters... Uh, we talked about Paul writing to the Galatians. And basically, Paul was writing this letter because he had established the church in the area of Galatia, and he had taught them that the grace of Jesus Christ was sufficient, that they couldn't earn salvation of anything they did, of any ritual they did, of any circumcision, or of anything that they had to do, that Jesus plus nothing was sufficient for salvation. And then Paul hears that after he left, the Judaizers had come into town, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those uh, who would preach the old Judaism, the old rabbinic Judaism, and they had come into town and they had said, uh, what Paul preached is not correct. You have to be at a minimum circumcised and at least become a Jew to receive the gospel. You can't be saved without going through the right rituals. And so one of the things they did was discredit Paul as a preacher. They would say things like, how can you trust Paul? He didn't even come to the Jerusalem church after he supposedly got saved. He didn't come in and get commissioned by the church. So how can you trust him as a preacher? And so Paul spends the first two chapters in the book of Galatians really establishing his credibility as a pastor. And the gist of the first two chapters of Galatians, there's a lot more there. I know you're thinking you preach three sermons out of those two chapters. You can't sum it up in one sentence, but I'm going to try. The gist of what Paul said is, I got my marching orders from Jesus Christ himself. I didn't need the Jerusalem church to give me marching orders. I didn't need to be validated by them because Christ himself validated me to go and preach his word. He spent the next two chapters... Establishing the doctrine of grace that he was preaching. He explained what the need for the law was in light of grace. He, he explained that Jesus Christ had perfected the law, that the old law was no longer needed because Jesus Christ had come and he had not abolished it as much as he had perfected it. So you didn't need a day of atonement anymore for a high priest because the high priest had already provided the atonement. And so you didn't need a high priest to go in and sacrifice for your sin anymore because when Jesus died on the cross, when the veil of the temple was torn, you don't need anyone else to go into the Holy of Holies for you any longer because Jesus Christ has already given you access to the Father. And then Paul gets to chapters 5 and 6 and he starts spending time dealing with what you do in light of what he's already said. So in light of the fact that he's qualified to preach, in light of the fact of the doctrine of the grace of Jesus Christ, what are some things that you'll practically do in your life? And one of those things that Paul mentions is walking in freedom from the old law. 
He talks about walking in freedom from the old law. And when we get to verse 14, we have what is, in my opinion, Paul's theme verse, really, for the entire letter to the churches in Galatians. So let's all stand, if you're able, as we honor the reading of God's holy word from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would do what only you could do in this place tonight, and that is dwell among your people, Lord Jesus. We pray that you will bless the reading and the teaching of your word, Lord. And it is in your precious name that we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. and you may be seated. And... What a theme that it is, really, if you get right down to it. What a theme for a letter, what a theme for a life that it is, if you could say that my life is lived out under the theme that I will reflect and I will boast and I will exalt and I will take praise and I will take happiness and I will take worth and I will measure my entire life against nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to measure any part or anything of my life against anything except for Jesus. And is there a better practical application statement of a Christian than to be able to get to the end of your life and look back and say, my value, my hope, and everything else was found in nothing but the cross of Christ, his blood, his atonement, his substitutionary death, and in his sacrifice for me. Jesus Christ was my cornerstone in my measurement. Now, if anyone had anything to boast in, I would say it would be Paul, wouldn't you? I mean, think with me about it. He could have boasted in his pedigree. He was born to be the perfect missionary. He could have said that, that I was born a perfect missionary. I had a, a, a Jewish father and I had a, a, excuse me, a Greek father and a Jewish mother, so I was welcome in both the Jewish synagogues. I was welcome among the Gentiles, and so I was uh, basically created to be a preacher, if you get right down to it. So my pedigree is perfect to be a missionary. He could have boasted in the fact that God revealed things to him. That God would give him direction. He could have boasted in his obedience to Christ. That when I get direction from Christ, I go and I do these things. He could have boasted in his persecution for Christ. Because from the day that he got saved, he endured many persecutions. I would say the most persecuted person in history in terms of outside of Jesus Christ. Paul had a lot of things, if he had wanted to boast in them, in building himself up to the Galatians, that he could have said, these are my list of credentials that make you have to know that I know what I'm talking about. But instead, he says, I boast only in the cross of Christ. Everything else that happened to me, anything else that I've existed through, anything else I've endured, I've endured only because of the power of Christ in me that he established on that cross. And so one of the things I think Paul is saying here is he says, I boast only in the cross, I exalt only in the cross, is one, he's establishing that there really was a cross when he says that. He said, Jesus really did have two wooden timbers that were put together. There really was a whipping post. There really was a hill called Calvary. And Jesus really did hang there on that cross. 
He acknowledges with his words, Lord Jesus Christ. He acknowledges the sovereignty of Jesus. The dignity of the cross instead of looking at the shame of the cross. He's essentially saying here, the majesty, the king, the Messiah died. And it really happened. There really was a cross. If I'm going to boast in it, it has to be real. He's saying there really was a cross. There really was a savior, but I believe there's even more than that when he says that. I believe he's also not just establishing the physical reality of the cross, but the theological truth of the cross. And so, so what are you talking about, Brother Jason? I think if I had to put it in one word, the theology of the cross, I would make that one word atonement. The cross of Christ is the atonement of sin. This past Friday, we looked at the phrase, to Talestide together. And we pointed out the physical agony that was finished. But even more so important to us, we talked about the fact that the spiritual separation from God due to sin, that it was finished because of Jesus Christ. Because of His atoning work there on that cross. We no longer have to be separated from Father God. Paul is saying here of the cross, I will boast in the cross... Because Jesus really went to it, and while he was there, he really was dying for my sins. And so when you think of that in light of this letter that he's writing to the Galatians, you realize that the big argument that is present here is the Judaizers came into town, and we said that that's our false religions, our false doctrines, as they swept into town with their doctrine... And Paul rebutted back with the doctrine of grace. The real question at hand is, is not, what do you believe? What do you believe? You know, what are the nuances? Well, do you believe in washing your hands the right way before you eat meat? Or do you believe in preparing the sacrifice in this way? The real question at hand is, do you believe that the grace of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ is sufficient for salvation? That is the argument that is really at hand here for the Galatians. Paul says, Jesus plus nothing is necessary to get to heaven. And the Judaizers come in and said, well, Jesus is a good thought, but you got to wash your hands, you have to be adopted as a Jew, you have to be circumcised, you have to do all these ritualistic things and sacrifice in a certain way. And so the real question at hand that Paul is establishing when he says this is I have nothing to boast in except for the cross of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think about that in light of where we're at today. Because how many false doctrines are spinning throughout that tell people exactly contrary to what we preach? What we preach is this, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, but through me, but through me, but through my death on the cross, my resurrection from the tomb, and my perfect life. That's the only way that sinful men can be reconciled to a holy God. And yet, there are so many doctrines out there and so many people that are pushing things on that, that, that just weigh people down. What do they say? You're not good enough. You don't have the qualifications. You didn't clean up well enough. You don't look nice enough. You didn't come and meet my standards. You didn't come in and, and, and do the things that I thought you needed to do so you're not really welcome here in God's house you're not welcome in to the bride of Christ and what are we as Christians supposed to say the same thing that Paul said in our life with our breath with our deed we're supposed to not boast in anything except Jesus because here's the problem when you start to boast 
in your bluegrass guitar playing or your good-looking preacher, when you start to boast in, in your qualities, you miss the mark so severely. If somebody, God forbid, that anyone would ever come into this church and try to measure their salvation against my standards for them as your pastor. God forgive they would measure themselves against Brother Charles' standards for them as a deacon of this church. God forbid that they would measure it up against any man. Why? Because my standards are skewed by my impure thoughts. My standards are skewed by my sinful nature. And so I want you to be what I want you to be. But if I boast in nothing but the cross of Christ, the only standard that I have are His words right here printed from Genesis to Revelation. And what is that standard? That standard is to go to the Word of God and say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that He died for your sins and was resurrected on that third day, then you can be saved. You don't have to get my standard. And that's why Paul is saying it's so important to have that standard of that cross as the only thing that we will exalt ourselves in. The only thing that we will boast in is in Christ alone. But I believe another thing Paul recognizes about the glory of the cross is the attributes of God that are displayed there on that cross. First think with me about the divine justice of God that was displayed at the cross of Calvary. The scripture teaches us that God hates sin. It teaches us not just that God hates sin, but that He hates sin so much that He cannot look upon it with favor. And so what does that mean? That means that God, being holy, cannot look upon sin and merely excuse it. He can't look upon sin and merely forget it. If He looks upon sin, He must what? Punish it. It must be satisfied. And if God doesn't stay true to that and satisfy the wrath of Himself against sin, then He is not a divinely just God. He's not a faithful God. And so the cross of Christ, what do we see displayed? Well, in my opinion, it's the most divine display of judgment that has ever been exacted in the history of the world. Think about it with me. Jesus Christ hanging on that cross. And in that moment when he takes on the sin of all mankind, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned from me? It's because that is the display of the sovereignty of the divine justice of God in that He, not only could He have to turn away from His very own Son, His very own essence of Himself, there on that cross, He had to pour out His wrath upon Jesus Christ on that cross. Why? Because He is holy. And He cannot look upon sin with favor. So when Jesus took the sin of man on Himself, He had to exact His wrath upon it. Is there a better example of the sovereignty of God and the divine justice of God? I don't think so. I'm reminded of a story that I heard of a judge who was presiding over a matter of small crime in a case. He was a local judge. And on trial was a friend that had been a lifelong friend of his for doing a small matter. 
And in terms of guilty or innocent, the case was open and shut. There wasn't really a trial needed to be had for guilt or innocence. The, the offender was obviously guilty and wasn't even denying it. But the judge's job was to exact the punishment for that act on his friend. And so he could either choose the maximum fine allowed for this, or he could choose the minimum fine allowed for this. And there was hundreds of dollars between these two fines. And as the judge looked down from the bench, he respected the law by punishing the deed exactly as it should be and fining the man with the maximum allowable fine. So he respected the law and didn't pay any attention to his friendship. But then he did something else. And this is the reason I tell you this story. He excused himself from the bench and wrote a check for the entire fine amount. And so he respected the law, but he also loved his friend. Isn't that kind of what happened when Jesus Christ said, I stand with no guilt in front of me and I'm going to take your burden and I'm going to respect the fact that God's wrath has got to be poured out on sin, but I'm going to take that wrath for you. I'm going to endure the suffering for you so that you don't have to endure the wrath of God on your sin. But not only did it show us a display of God's justice, I believe it also shows us a display of God's love. Scripture says that God commends His love to us in what way? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I threw you for a loop. It wasn't on the screen. You can blame Miss Loretta for getting pink eye for that one. God commends His love to us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So when Paul looks at the glory of the cross, he says, I see on display divine justice. I see on display a real death. I see on display a real theology. But I see on display a real love that someone would love me enough to stretch their arms open wide and take my punishment on themselves. He who knew no sin, he who had no rival, he who had no equal, he who had spoken this very world into existence. He who had walked perfectly on this earth. So loved you. And he died for you. And so to boast in the cross is to boast in the fullness of the hope. That in the debt that we couldn't pay, Jesus loved us enough to die for. And I think that's part of Paul's rally cry. He's like, how can I boast in myself when Jesus paid it all? How can I boast in myself when I had nothing to offer? I was filthy and sinful, but Jesus. And so I'm not going to boast in anything but the cross of Christ. And finally, I believe Paul said, boast in nothing else. Because Paul recognized the change in his life. Paul encountered the truth of the cross on the road to Damascus. You know the story. Here was Saul heading down the Damascus road to persecute Christians. He had his list in his hand. He was going to do his job. He had already consented to the death of Stephen. He had watched it and let it happen and was happy it was happening. But, but, like so many of our stories, but, Jesus happened, right? 
But Jesus looks down on Saul as he's going to persecute Christians. And he says, what to him? He says, why do you persecute me? And Saul is saved right there on that Damascus road. He gives his life to Jesus. Blindness comes upon him. The scales over his eyes. And Jesus says, go. And I want you to think about what Saul did. He is blind. He no doubt knows that people know he's coming. And Jesus says, I want you to go anyway, even though you can't see. And I want you to go to one of those people that were on your list to kill. And I want you to submit yourself to me by submitting yourself to him. That was not the way of Saul prior to that day. He was a proud Pharisee. No doubt he knew the law. He knew what he was supposed to do. And he knew he was supposed to kill Christians. But after he encountered Jesus, he couldn't live his life the same way. Now, he went from Saul the persecutor to Paul the persecuted. And he goes and the scales are removed from his eyes. And he goes and he preaches the word of God. And he never ever looks back. He never changes path. He never stops for a minute and says, maybe I shouldn't keep doing this. He never stops and says... Man, the beatings aren't worth it. I don't know if I want to go to jail again. I don't know if I want to see the inside of another wet jail cell. I don't know if I want to endure anymore. You never see that from Paul, do you? All you see is whatever I endure, I do it for Christ. Because for me to live is Christ, but to die would be gain because I'd be present with Christ. And so he looks at it and he says, I can't boast in anything else. I can't boast in anything else because nothing else has ever changed my life the way that cross changed my life. Nothing else has ever affected me the way that cross affected me. And you see, friends, I fear that sometimes we, we miss out on boasting in the cross of Christ because we forget what Christ did for us. We forget what Christ did when He saved our souls. We forget that we went from death to life. And I know, I promise, I know, I say that three times a month in one of the eight sermons in a month. But do you know why I say it? Because we still forget what Christ did for us. And it is so important that we, like Paul, would look back and say, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, I boast in nothing but the cross of Christ because nothing else has changed my life the way the cross of Christ did. And so because I don't boast in anything else, because I have nothing else to stand on, I'm going to stand and preach the cross of Christ everywhere I go to anybody that will listen and to some people that won't. Oh, my friends, that we would live our lives with such a purpose as this. That we would never lose that realization. And I love Paul's conclusion to the letter in verse 17. Verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one trouble me, for by, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, From henceforth, from now on, as I go, no man can trouble me because I belong to Jesus Christ. These 
words that he uses are descriptive of how a slave would describe himself being marked by his master. And Paul says, I am but a slave to Jesus Christ, marked by the blood of Jesus. I no longer even go by the same name I had when I was born. He even changed my name from Saul to Paul. And when I get to heaven, he may change my name again. And he'll put a new song in my heart and a new life in my soul and a new breath in my mouth. And I'll never be the same. And so I bear the marks of Jesus Christ. And if God be for me, who can stand against me? Paul said, if God's for me, I bear the marks of Jesus Christ. What man can come against me? These are the words of a man who spent more time innocently in a jail cell than probably anyone throughout history. And he said, what can man do to me? You know why he said things like that? Because he didn't brag in anything but the cross. He didn't look at his current situation and define where he was going. He said, whether I be in a jail cell or whether I be in a pulpit, my end result is to be with Christ. So what nobody does to me here matters. So how can you live that life today? I'm not one of those, uh, I think they call them health and wealth prosperity preachers who says, if, if you'll just accept Jesus, you'll have more money and you'll have more cars, and you'll have more happiness, and you'll have more this, and you'll have more that. That's not who I am, it's not who I'm going to be, and I pray that you don't want me to be that. But what I will tell you this, is if you want to have the attitude of Paul that says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, and nothing else that happens to me on this earth really matters, because I'm signed, I'm sealed, I'm delivered, my fate is set, my job description has been set, wherever I go, whatever I do, I tell people about Jesus, if they don't like it, they're going to hear about Jesus anyway, because I boast in nothing but the cross. So you want to get to the point where even if you're in a jail cell innocently, you can be happy? Get to the point where you boast in nothing but the cross of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank you. We thank you for the example that we see in Paul, Lord. That we see the change like what has occurred in all of our lives, that we were heading down a path of our own ways. But you saved our souls, Jesus. You came into our lives, and our lives will never be the same. And because of that, Jesus, we can't boast in ourselves. We can't boast in our situations. We can boast only in your cross. And so God, for someone here tonight who came into this place wondering how I can take another step, how I can be satisfied in my situation, Lord, help them to reflect on nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. And God, if there be someone here who's never accepted you as Savior and Lord, God, would you prick their soul and convict them of their debt of sin and have them come and confess you and walk out of this place changed, God. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.